Revelation chapter number 2. If you're not able to stand, we understand that. We want to preach a few minutes tonight. Revelation chapter number 2. And we'll bring the message that we feel like God has laid on our heart. I do want to thank the Lord for just moving this morning in the service. And again, I want to say it's an honor. I know, I know Brother Allen doesn't want any recognition. In fact, he told me, he said, don't even recognize me tonight. But um, I appreciate him and love him, don't you, church? And I just thank God. He's been a friend to Bible Baptist Church since 1961 and uh, preached revivals in this church. And uh, God has blessed him, and we love him, and we thank God for him. He's been a friend to me and my family, and I appreciate that. Revelation chapter 2 and verse number 8. The Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works in tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. And I know that the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be hurt of the second death. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Our precious Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence tonight, Lord, as we come to the throne of grace and mercy, we do come in, in Jesus' name. Lord, we know this morning or this evening, God, that you're able to do more than what we can ever do. We want to thank you, Lord, for how you blessed in the offering, in the singing tonight, the testimonies. I pray now that you'll take the word of God these next few moments and speak to our hearts. God, may you be glorified, may you be praised, and may you be magnified. And we'll love you and we'll thank you and we'll praise you. In Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on Smyrna, the suffering church. Smyrna, the suffering church. I think there's a message in this text tonight for all of us, and even as a church collectively tonight, uh, we know that any time we deal with suffering, that suffering is something that the flesh does not look forward to. It is a subject that by no means do we want to talk about or ever want in our life. But yet we're never more like Jesus than when we suffer. Our Savior suffered down here upon this earth. And when you think about what Christ said, he said, is the servant any greater than the master? And the answer to that question is no. And Christ suffered. And Jesus <coughs> promised that there would be tribulation in this world. But he also promised that we could be of good cheer, that he had overcome this world. And my friend, that's exactly the message for this church tonight. Smyrna was a suffering church, but yet there are so many things that comes out of suffering. There are great things things that comes out of suffering tonight, of suffering out of the life of a Christian and an individual. There are things that God will blossom and things that God will bless and benefits that will come that will not only help the Christian, but will help all of those that witness the suffering that is in their life. Well, Smyrna was a church of suffering. And in verse number eight, there's the address to this church as he addresses concerning the minister. As he said, as unto the angel of the church of Smyrna, right? Notice this is a different angel or a different pastor in verse number eight than what we see to the church of Ephesus. When you think about Ephesus, they had a pastor, but Smyrna had a pastor. And God has a man and God has a pastor for every
every flock. Isn't that right? I think a preacher that is in the will of God and is in the church where God has placed him and God has put him, he ought to be there as long as God will keep him there. And we see here that the address concerning the minister. And then there's the address concerning the members. As he said, the angel of the church of Smyrna. God is in individuality when it comes to church membership. I think there ought to be longevity in church membership. You don't join a church just when things are going good and then when things go bad, you go somewhere else. They got to be some longevity. You've got to be faithful to that church in the good times and in the bad. You've got to stick there through the thick and through the thin. If God puts you there and God has blessed you there, then you ought to just stay there all the days of your life. I want to stop and say this tonight. I thank God for a good church to go to. I thank God for a good place to bring your family and to get under the preaching of the word of God and to be able to worship with saints of God. If you've got a good church to go to tonight, then you're a man or a woman that's been richly blessed. Uh, Friend, that's riches tonight that money cannot buy. Amen? To have a place uh, where you can feel the presence of God, where sinners can be saved, where God can be honored, where saints can shout and praise God. You ought to come to church excited every service. Uh, You ought to get in on every service uh, and you ought to thank God for your church. Amen? You ought to pay for your church. That means put your tithes and your offering in. You ought to pray for your church. You ought to pray for your church every day. Pray for the pastor. Pray for the pastor's wife. Pray for the deacons. Pray for the Sunday school teachers. Pray for the choir. Pray for the song leader. Pray for the membership. All the saints. Pray for those that play the instruments. Pray for the ministries of the church. Hey, God will bless a praying church and a church that prays together is a church that stays together, amen. One of the things I love about this church is I believe there's people here that'll pray for you. I heard a great man of God say years ago, he said, you're no greater than the people who pray for you. Brother, tonight, if there's anything we need, we need the prayers of the saints, amen. We need people that will call our name out in prayer. I was in a meeting this week and some godly people was in that meeting and at the close of that service, the Lord just put it upon my heart and I asked those people, I wasn't trying to be sensational, I was really being sincere. I asked them, I said, will y'all do me a favor? I believe they were praying people, Brother Blake, and I I said, will you do me a favor? And they said, sure, if we can. I said, will you pray for me? And will you pray for my family? Because I believe they could get a prayer through. And they said, we'll do that, we'll pray for you. And I said, if you'll pray for us, then me and my wife will pray for you. Friend, I'm telling you, the older you get, the more you'll value the prayers of people because the prayers of the saints, they'll live on, hallelujah, when we're gone and when our body is lying somewhere in the silent city of the dead. I wanna say thank God the prayers that we have prayed will live on in this earth and it'll go on for the honor and the glory of God, amen. And he addresses the members and then he addresses the meeting place. He talks about them to the angel of the church of Smyrna. Smyrna was a specific place just like Bible Baptist Church. It was a meeting place that they came to. What made the city and the town of Smyrna great was the church, amen, because the church was the light of Smyrna. And can I tell you what makes any community great is a local New Testament church. It's not, my friend, the politicians and it's not all the entertainment and it's not all the things that go 
goes on. But a little city set on a hill, lighting up a community, preaching the gospel, and standing for what's right. Thank God for a church. And we ought to pray that the church is the hope of our nation in these last days. And I think about the address. He, concern, he addresses concerning the meeting place, but then the message. Notice he said in verse number eight, these things. He's talking about some specific things. Our Savior had some, he had a specific message for every one of these seven churches. You know, God's got a message for every church. He's got a man for every church. He's got a meeting place for every church but he's got a message for every church. And brother, when we come to church on Sunday, it's not to see who's who. And it's not to see what somebody's wearing. And it's not to see any flesh or any man. I don't know about you, but there's only one thing I'm interested in when I come to church on Sunday. I want to hear from heaven, don't you? Brother, I'm telling you, I want God to have a message for the church. It's not about a social gathering. It's not about plans and programs and promotions. It's not about just having fun and having a good time, but they ought to be a message uh, from the throne of heaven. Uh, God wants to say something to his church, uh, and I want to hear what the Lord, these things, uh, I'm glad that God has a message for the church. And then I see in this address here, not only concerning the message, but the master. As he says, these things saith the first and the last, which was dead, but look at this, and is alive. I'm glad I can stand here tonight and say in 2018, Jesus Christ is not dead, but he is alive. Amen. He's the first and he's the last. He's the, he's the beginning and he's the end. He's that which was, which is, and which is to come. He's the almighty, saith the Lord. I'm glad he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. He's the captain of our salvation. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the anchor of our soul. He's the anchor of our salvation. Thank God he's our mediator. He's our Lord and he's our master. He's our judge. He's our savior and he's our redeemer. I just want to brag on the first and the last. He was here when they turned the lights on and he'll be here when they turn the lights off. Thank God he sits high on a throne. He is God and besides him there is none other. He's our refuge and our strength. He's our rock in a weary land. He's the fourth man in the fire and thank God he's a fountain of living waters. Thank God he's the bright and the morning star. He is the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley. He just is. I'm glad I know him tonight. He is wonderful. He is counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. And he's the prince of peace tonight. I'm talking about Jesus. Amen. You know anything any better than Jesus tonight? Brother, we can shout over a lot of things, but I'd rather shout over him. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm glad I know Jesus Christ. He's the son of the living God. He's the word. Thank God he's the lamb of God. He's the light of God. He's the love of God. He is God tonight. Amen. And nothing should thrill our hearts anymore than the master. There's the address and then there's the admonishment. He noticed what he says in verse nine. He said, I know. Isn't that the same thing he told the church of Ephesus? I know. Jesus knows everything about the church tonight. 
He knows everything about us. He knew things about the church of Smyrna and the church of Ephesus that they did not even know about themselves. I'm glad he knows more about the church than I do tonight. He knows more about the church than what you do. He knew their progress. As he says, I know thy works. He knew their persecution. As he said, I know thy works and tribulation. He knew of their poverty, but he also knew of their plenty because he said, I know of thy works and tribulation and poverty, but he said, thou art rich. Amen. You see, the church of Smyrna, they had more than what you could see with a natural eye. Amen. Uh, brother, I want to tell you tonight, a church has got to have more than brick and mortar. Amen. They've got to have more than a fancy building. Isn't that right? A church has got to have more than a big bank account. They've got to have more, uh, listen, than, uh, than, than just a good crowd on Sunday. A church has got to have what this church had. You know why they were rich? Uh, because they had the Savior. They had the presence of God. And if there's anything we need, we need the presence of God. I'd rather be on a stump somewhere in a pine thicket with a crowd that knew Jesus and loved the Bible and loved preaching as to be in some coliseum somewhere in some fancy auditorium and not have the presence of God tonight. We need him more than we need anything. And he knew tonight he admonishes them I see the address and the admonishment, but what about, notice this tonight in verse number nine, the adversary. He said, I know the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. He talks about the trouble and the teaching that was going on amongst this church. It was false doctrine being taught. They were mixing Judaism with Christianity and it was blasphemy. God uses strong words here as the title is given in verse number nine that those that blaspheme and use and add works to salvation in Christianity, he calls them of the synagogue of Satan. You know, Jesus always dealt very harshly with those that were a part of false teaching and false doctrine. He called them vipers, amen? I mean, he called them a generation of vipers. He called them of the synagogue of Satan. He talked to them and used terminology like wolves and sheep clothes. Clothing. I'm telling you, friend, we're living in a time when there's a lot of wolves in sheep clothing. They're more interested in your pocketbook. They're more interested than a number on the board than preaching against sin. We need some men of God that'll stand up in this nation in this day and time and call sin by name. Isn't that right? I'm not talking about being mean-spirited, but if you preach the Bible, you're gonna preach on sin, amen? And you can't preach part of the Bible. You gotta preach all the Bible, amen? You gotta preach against everything. Somebody say amen. I think every church needs a good cleaning out every now and then. Brother, it's not my responsibility to do the house cleaning. It's my responsibility to just do the preaching. And if we'll preach the whole counsel of the word of God, the Bible will rightly divide and we'll clean our hearts and we'll clean. And when I say clean the house, I'm not talking about dismissing folks. I'm talking about getting us right with God, amen. I'm talking about cleaning the house up. That's what preaching will do. It'll clean your heart up. It'll clean your mind up. It'll help you live right. I'm glad somebody said something about gambling tonight, amen. I hope nobody plays a lottery in this church. But if you do, you ought to get right with God tonight and make a vow to never play it again. Don't get mad, just get right. Amen. I'm talking about if there's sin in your life, you ought to get on the altar tonight and repent over. Amen. I like. I don't know about you, but I like to hear a message. I like to hear preachers preach and deal with sin. Amen. Not because I'm that spiritual. 
because I'm that fleshly. There's just something about when a preacher starts preaching on sin. If you're right with God, you'll love it. Hallelujah. Great peace. Great peace. You know, I know I'm saved tonight. There's a hundred reasons I know I'm saved according to this Bible. But one reason I know I'm saved tonight is because I don't get mad when the preacher preaches on sin. I might plead guilty to it, but I'm not going to get mad. Somebody say amen. Brother, I'm telling you tonight, where would we be if it wasn't for men of God that would preach on sin and would deal with sin in our lives? It cleans us up and cleans us out. Brother, we need that tonight. We need somebody to name sin. Adultery is sin. Fornication is sin. Drinking is sin, as I mentioned. Gambling is sin tonight. Backbiting is sin. Gossip is sin. Jealousy is sin. Envy is sin. Pride is sin. Unforgiven spirit is sin. All of these things are sin. Isn't that right? And brother, we need somebody that'll preach on it. Amen. And it does me good to hear preachers preach against sin. There's the admonishment, the adversary, but then there's the affliction tonight. Notice verse number 10. He said, fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. When he talks about suffering tonight, he gives them a comfort in their suffering by saying fear none of those things. You know, I'm glad that in suffering tonight, God knows how to remove the fear in your life. None of us wants to suffer. But the Bible said, Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Suffering comes to those that live godly. The Bible says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we shall live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Suffering comes. It came to our Savior. It came to the disciples. It came to the early church. And we're living in a time when the world is not gonna love us tonight. Listen, we're a bunch of Bible thumpers to this world. If you stand on the King James Bible and you believe the straight and the narrow way, the world is gonna look at us tonight. They would like to get rid of us. I'm glad there's an unseen hand working tonight. I'm praying that the election goes in our favor. I want to tell you something, friend, no matter how the election turns out, there's still a God in heaven. He's still sitting on the throne. He's still working in the affairs of man and nothing will happen that what it doesn't pass through the hands of a holy thrice God and come hell or high water sink or swim, he will take care of the church. We may suffer, but he said fear none of those things. Amen. If you live for God, you can't fear the people you work around. You can't fear other people, other even so-called Christians today. If you pastor, you can't fear the congregation. And I don't say that particularly about you, but I'm telling you, friend, listen, as if I'm flesh like anybody else, I can't worry about my paycheck. I can't worry about my, my future, my security. All of that is in the Lord's hands. I can't worry about how this church is gonna be 10 years from now. I pray about it and I ask God for wisdom, but you would run yourself crazy if you worried about all the things that could happen and would happen. You just gotta live each day walking in the fear and admonition of the Lord, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And my friend, faith overcomes fear in all of our lives. Amen. I see that he gives them a comfort in their suffering. He gives them, notice here, he gives them a confirmation in their suffering. He said, fear none of those things. Now watch this. Which thou shalt suffer. We're going to suffer. 
in this life. If you want to be a Christian that never suffers, you're not going to be a very good Christian. We're all called upon to take a stand. Whether it be on the job or at the schoolhouse or whether it be with our own family and friends, we must stand for what is right. We're living in a day, listen to me tonight, church. We're living in a day when a lot of people won't stand anymore. Brother, I don't stand up here tonight with my chest pushed out thinking I'm somebody. God in heaven knows that tonight. Sometimes there's fear in taking a stand. But real courage is overcoming the fear. Standing and doing what's right no matter the cost. And we're living in a day when people don't want to pay the cost. They don't want to pay the price anymore. But not everybody's give up. Can I get an amen? I believe I'm preaching to a crowd tonight that wants to take a stand. We're not going to be popular. We're not going to be the latest and greatest thing in society. But isn't it worth it, like they sang just a while ago, to be his child? Isn't it worth it to be in this fight tonight? I'm telling you the fight, the army may get shallow and the way may get fierce and the battle may get hot. But I tell you, I'd rather be on the front line of fighting for the right cause, fighting for our Savior, fighting the good fight of faith, knowing that in the end, the final victory will be ours, that we're not fighting toward defeat, but we know the outcome is this. We win in the end, hallelujah. Jesus wins. He won the victory at Calvary and victory is ours. So I say let's stand, amen? Let's not back up. Let's not drop our convictions. Let's not drop our standards. Let's not, listen, go the new way. But let's stay for what's right. Let's hoe the same road. Let's fight the same battle. Let's preach the same book. Let's sing the same songs. Let's raise another generation that'll love God and'll live for God in these last days. And I see here tonight, there's a confirmation. There's the content of their suffering. He tells them they're going to be, the devil's going to cast them in prison and they're going to be tried. And he charges them after telling them they'll have tribulation 10 days. I'm not going to deal with this tonight, but if you go back and read church history, there were 10 major outpourings of persecution. I will tell you something I read this week made me want to shout. Brother John Phillips said, he listed those 10 dates. I wrote all of them here in my Bible. Beginning with Nero in 54 AD and ending in AD 284. 10 major outpourings of persecution. He said you have tribulation in 10 days. Philip said that when the last and final persecution had come, that 10th persecution was an outpouring of persecution that was beyond any persecution that they had ever seen through the Romans. Philip said something. He said the persecution had been so long and so great that the arms of the soldiers grew tired and weary. The blood that dripped from their swords of killing Christians had become stained. That even one great historian who was there in the final persecution days said that even the wild beasts got to where they wouldn't devour the Christians anymore. They were tired of persecuting the saints. That the great swelling numbers of those that would come and fill the Colosseums to watch Christians be martyred, their heads cut off, fed to wild beasts, 
dipped in oil and tied around their ankles and hoisted up and lit as human furnos. But even the great crowds grew weary of the persecution and began to leave and the Colosseum began to empty. But he said the Christians kept on singing. They kept on shouting. And said as they burned them at the stake, their voices still swelled in anthem to God. That they had not lost their joy, they had not lost their song. Through 10 different swellings of persecution, all the hell and all the demons and all the persecuting and, the, and all the blood that had been shed of the martyrs down through the history of time could not stomp out the song of the church uh, that it had not even weakened a bit but yet it had grew stronger than a 90 something year old man I read as he was burned at the stake uh, he lifted his voice up and he sang uh, my friend a hymn unto our Lord as he was persecuted and beside him was a 15 year old man or young boy that was burned at the stake with that 90 something year old man and together they lifted their voice up and they sang out of this world and they sang into the next world. I want to say bless the Lord. Oh my soul, the song of the church will endure the persecution. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to be a part of a church? Brother, I'm telling you we're not an organization. We're a living organism. Amen. Brother, I'm telling you, the devil would love to destroy the church, but the church isn't going down. She's going up, friend. There's going to be a crown that's going to be placed on her head. She's the bride. You're a part of the greatest thing this side of eternity, and you ought to thank God that you're a part of a church. You ought to praise God that you're in the family tonight. I say bless his name. I say glory to God. I say hallelujah. He's worthy tonight. Hallelujah. All to miss hell is enough to praise him for. But who would have ever thought God would let us be a part of the church? Hey, we're a family tonight, aren't we? We're closer to each other than we are some of our own kin. We spend more time together than we do. We have more things in common. When one of us hurts, we all hurt. Let no division be amongst us tonight. I like what the Bible says, we be brethren. Brother, if you're saved tonight, you love the church. Amen. I love all these boys tonight. The good ones and the bad ones. Part of, you know what about a church? I got family members I, that's easy for me to love. And I've got some that's real hard to love. You know what I'm talking about? Can I be real honest? I got some family members. If I could wring their neck tonight, I would do it. Now y'all pray for me. I, I, I told one of my I told one of my family members there, I said, you know what? I said, if I thought going down there and wringing their neck would help them, that's what I'd do, but it wouldn't do them a bit of good. They're so stubborn and bullheaded, they just ain't gonna listen. But regardless of me thinking that way, I think that way because I love them. You know, if you're saved tonight, you'll want to join a church. And you'll love the church. And you'll pray for the church. I love you tonight. I can't, I've done told him three times, but I'm going to tell him one more time. You know how he told me? 
how I love him. What's that verse? My little children, let us not love more than tongue, but in deed and in truth. Yep. That's why, that's why y'all loved us. That's right. He's got a verse for everything. Don't you like that? How many of y'all love Brother Samuel and third time? Thank God for him. Your daddy used to run revival meetings for him. Heard them stories. Brother David Cape said he went down there and picked Brother, his little boy and said, Brother Cape's preaching meeting, went down and picked Brother Samuel up and said he's brushing his teeth, spitting out the window while he's going down the road. <laughs> you probably don't remember that, Brother Sam. Said they got in that little building down there, that old prayer house, and prayed. I heard Brother Cape talk about that. Said, boy, the power of God would fall in that place. Don't you love the church tonight? I couldn't imagine my life without the church. Brother, I'm telling you, if it wasn't nothing but come in and sit in that corner and be counted with the saints, I could lift my hand, couldn't you, tonight and say it sure is good. It's just so good to be here tonight. To be here, Brother Barnes. I'm glad God sent you down. How many of y'all glad Brother Tom Barnes is here? If he goes three services without testifying, I start worrying about his spirituality. Loved him first time. This church loved you first time we met you. Come to Jubilee years ago and shouted. Remember one morning you and, and Johnny Williams and Brother Jack sitting right back there? Boy, God sat down here and all three of y'all got to shouting in that pew. Boy, wasn't that a great morning? Don't you love the church tonight? And tonight, we need to pray for this church. I believe the greatest days are ahead. But we got to pray, don't we? There may be days of suffering for us. But we got to be faithful. He, he gives him a crown, and I won't finish the rest of that text. A lot more preaching in that text tonight. But I want to say as they come and get his assault ready. You ought to be faithful to your church. You ought to come every time the doors are open. There's people here, or there's people that's not here tonight because they can't be here. They want to be here. Miss Nina's not here tonight. There's others we could go around the room. They they would they would never miss it. I mean, they'd be here every service. They can't physically be here tonight. You ought to never miss a church service unless you're just providentially hindered. Be faithful. Love your church. Pray for your church. Tonight as we stand, I ask you to do one thing. I don't ask you to come. You don't have to come because I'm giving the invitation to come. Please. But maybe tonight, if you feel led to come, I ought to just pray for Bible Baptist. We ought to just thank the Lord. He's been so good to us. He's done more than any of us deserve. He's blessed us. And Father, tonight we want you to keep on blessing. Lord, amongst anything you've ever done in this place, we want you to know tonight, nothing is more precious than to have you. Lord, we thank you for 
all the good families and the offering and the things you've done, but we mostly just desire you tonight. To have your presence means more than anything. Tonight, while Brother David is going to sing, if you need to come, you obey the Lord tonight.